Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your crave. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. State Farm knows that for football fans, your car and your home are more than just stuff. They're some of your most valuable possessions. Whether it's the truck that gets you to every tailgate or the place where you watch your favorite team with your favorite people. But life can be a real tough opponent. So when it comes to insuring your car or your home, you need a strong defense. You need State Farm. They know it's more than just a car or a house. So why not give them the protection they deserve? It's just one more way they're here to help life go right. So talk to a State Farm agent today. Hello, I'm Peter King. Welcome to the MMQB Podcast with Peter King, where I take you inside the minds of the biggest influencers in the NFL. This week, a very special podcast, an extended conversation with Peyton Manning, future Hall of Fame quarterback, and from the locker room of the Pittsburgh Steelers, Le'Veon Bell, the all-pro running back. But first, a few thoughts on just what the end game is between the players and the league over the National Anthem protests. I was in Baltimore over the weekend and saw a very, very strange event at the Pittsburgh-Baltimore game. The public address announcer asked everyone in the stands to pray for unity, to pray for peace, and to pray basically for the country to come together. And at that moment, when the public address announcer asked everyone in Baltimore in the stadium to pray about, I don't know, maybe the vast majority, maybe every Baltimore Raven on their sidelines knelt and bowed their heads and the crowd booed. And I just thought, man, these people do not know when to boo. They don't know what they're booing. They're just angry at these players for exercising what the players view as their constitutional right. Now, I'm not here to get into what's right, what's wrong, what's good or what's bad about that. But I can just tell you, talking to people around the NFL in positions of authority, this is not sitting well. And it's not sitting well just with the the uh, people who sign the checks in the NFL. It's not sitting well on Madison Avenue. It's not sitting well with uh, people who do business with the National Football League, the advertisers. And I think that the NFL right now, as I record this on Tuesday afternoon of this week, you know, the NFL had another meeting with player representatives and some players and owners in New York. And at this meeting, there was more discussion about what to do with the anthem. Now, I believe that the end game, as far as the NFL is concerned, is that they want to address 
the big concerns of the players. And those concerns, essentially, are that a coalition of players want to take the month of November and plan some activities to try to do some things in local communities that address the growing friction between between citizens in these communities, police officers in these communities, and essentially social activism in these communities that most of the players involved in this players coalition are very, very interested in. Talking to Doug Baldwin of the Seattle Seahawks, who in my 34 years of covering the NFL is one of the brightest, most conscientious, good Intent, well-intentioned people that I uh, that I've ever covered. You know, he, for instance, wants the Dare programs in all these communities uh, to be reinstituted and strengthened, so that the first instance where youth in a community and police will meet is not in an adversarial situation, so that police will come into schools, and so that kids don't immediately think ill of them. So these are the kind of things that the players want to do. And I believe the the NFL is going to say, hey, listen, we will partner with you on these things and we'll actually help you go out in the community and do a bunch of these things. But you've got to help us out. You've got to give us a hand. And I think that, that the NFL is trying to get players around the NFL, the vast majority of them, Uh, to stand for the national anthem so as not to antagonize fans and to antagonize advertisers. Uh, Again, I am not commenting on whether it's fair, it's right, or whatever. I thought that I would tell you what I'm hearing, what I believe the end game, as far as at least what the NFL wants in this case. I think the NFL wants the end game to be uh, further and increased involvement both financially and with people out in communities to show that, you know, to show NFL players that this is important to them too. Now, people can take it as disingenuous if they want to, but, you know, the NFL, when they have a crisis, they want the crisis to go away. And I'm not saying this is exactly what I would call a crisis, but it's close. And the NFL needs to make this go away. And now my conversation with Peyton Manning. Back on the MMQB podcast with Peter King. Uh, Happy to be joined by Peyton Manning. Um, And before we sort of get into this, uh, I I really am so curious. Peyton is joining me by telephone today. And uh, Peyton, I'm so curious. You're you're having a statue uh, unveiled with with your likeness uh, at Lucas Oil Stadium uh, this weekend. And most often, not all the time, but most often, people are dead before they get statues <laughs> unveiled of them. Thank you. Thank and, you, Peter. And, uh, Thank you know, you. I'm glad that you're still alive. You're, you're going to be alive for many years to take your kids and grandkids to see that <laughs> statue, which is sort of a good thing. Well, I... Um... I have to admit, I, I am not 100% comfortable uh, with um, with all of this, but I'm extremely grateful uh, to uh, Jim Irsay and his generosity uh, in this gesture. It's uh, it's very humbling, and I can't quite speak to how I will feel on uh, Saturday, 
when it's unveiled. Uh, but um, I, uh, like I said, am incredibly grateful and uh, and humbled by it. But, but I will admit I have gotten a couple of uh, recent physicals uh, recently just to check my health because I agree most people aren't alive to see something like this. Uh, so uh, hope but everything's checked out uh, pretty clean so far. But uh, I'm excited about uh, getting back to Indianapolis. You know, Peter, like you and I were just talking before we went on air, uh, I was back in Knoxville this weekend for uh, going into the College Football Hall of Fame. The best part about uh, something like this is to see old teammates, to see John Scott, uh, our old equipment manager, who, who is still there, to see Dave Hammer, our trainer, see, to see the people that were a part of my football uh, life there in Indianapolis. So, you know, obviously Marvin Harrison, Tony Dungy, Bill Poley, and Jeff Saturday. You know, I don't want hard to start naming names. We'll be here all day, but that's the best part for me that you get to uh, see these people. Uh, I'm, I'm appreciative of all those players coming back and coaches and people that were such a huge part of my football life there. So. I'm probably the most excited about that. Uh, but to, to be honored, uh, Jim Mercer, to go into the Colts ring of honor, to have my number retired, uh, to join the list of other Colts, uh, the first Indianapolis Colt, but Johnny Unitas and Raymond Berry, guys that my dad grew up uh, admiring and, and told me about as a kid, uh, it's, pretty, it's pretty humbling. Peyton, I wonder over the years, because I've always thought this, I've always considered this stadium, uh, Lucas Oil Stadium, to sort of be the house that Manning built. And, uh, you know, I realize it's a difficult thing for you to even think about. But do you ever consider your contribution to pro football in the state of Indiana and think that, hey, I had a part in not only the success that they had, but that team even being there? Well, there's no doubt that the uh, group of uh, players and uh, you know, coaches and, like I said, you know, Bill Poley and the architect, there's no doubt that we were a part of, of a transformation of a city and state becoming uh, a great football town. When, when I was drafted, by uh, the Colts in 1998, Peter. Um, the Colt, the you know, state of Indiana and city of Indianapolis, it was certainly a sports town. They loved sports. Uh, it's just that basketball and car racing were sort of the top priorities, and football was just a little on down the line. There had been uh, sort of um, sporadic success, you know, obviously. You know, Marshall Falk and, and Eric Dickerson had played there, and, and, and there had been sporadic success, but it wasn't until, like I said, uh, that this certain group kind of got there that we sort of established uh, the Indianapolis Colts um, in, this, in the city of Indianapolis as a football town. You know, my the greatest compliment uh, that people always uh, uh, paid to me was, hey, that old RCA Dome, that Lucas Oil Stadium, those are tough places to play. And that's when I knew that we had sort of changed the culture of Indiana football when, you know, Donovan McNabb or uh, Carson Palmer or you know, Drew Brees or Tom Brady would say, hey, that's a loud place to play. That was a great compliment to all of us and to all of our fans. And 
the, the fans just embraced us. Uh, they were talking about football, Peter, in, in, in March and talking about who we were going to draft. It became a year-round buzz. That's the kind of place you want to play. Uh, that's what it was like for me at the University of Tennessee, a place just rich in history. It was a year-round topic, and that's what it became there in Indianapolis. Uh, I, I had a buddy that used to come to games from New Orleans. He used to say, I've never seen a stadium with more people wearing jerseys than they did <laughs> at Colts games. And, they were, you know, of course, some, some 18s, but a lot of 88s and 32s and 87s and 44s. And, and that it was just awesome to witness that firsthand. So, uh, yeah, I can't really speak to that kind of in your question, but – I will say um, it, it was it was special to witness that uh, firsthand and, and, and to see it still today. And uh, it, it, like I said, the fans were so great to us and were behind us all the way. It was it was a special uh, place to play, and I really cherished my 14 years of playing there. Peyton, I want to go way back to when you were drafted, and also kind of the year before. Um, I we we recently discussed the fact that uh, on my training camp trip this year I passed through Knoxville, and uh, I stopped at Litton's, which is your your favorite place to eat in the world probably. And we got we you told me to get a cheeseburger, so I got a cheeseburger, and it was awesome. So, but but what what I found really really interesting that night is is that the people there were talking about. That day in 1997, where you had to decide whether you were going to come out in the draft or whether you were going to go back to Tennessee and play one last year. And I think this decision really had a great deal to do with football history. Who knows what would have happened if you got picked by the Jets? Who knows what would have happened if you played for Bill Parcells for, I don't know, a couple of years? I mean, would, you know, I've often thought this. If you got drafted by the Jets in 1997, would Bill Belichick have resigned as the HC of the NYJ <laughs> in 2000? Or would you have uh, you know, built this, this great long-term team you know, in in uh, you know in in New York instead of in Indianapolis, but but I I would just ask you, you had a very very tough decision to make that year, uh, that basically led you to Indianapolis in 1998, and I've always wondered, did you stay for your last year because you loved Tennessee or because you were reticent to go and play for the Jets? No, I mean, look, Peter, there's no doubt at the time it was the toughest, um, uh, you know, professional decision I had ever had to make, uh, even tougher than, you know, than choosing uh, where to go to college uh, uh, just a few years before. Um, and, you know, kind of like that, you sort of got a list out and you sort of write out the pros and cons. You know, it was especially tough, Peter, because I was, I was on track to receive my degree. You know, I... Um, uh, didn't have to make a decision until uh, a month before the draft uh, because I was on track to graduate in three years. You know, most of these players, they finish their bowl game. They have like eight days to decide their career, their future in, in the month of January. But because of a just kind of a rule that if you're set to graduate, I'm not even sure that still exists, if you're set to graduate uh, the, the same year as, as the draft, uh, then you don't have to decide. So, you know, Peter, we we play our bowl game. I go home to New Orleans. I'm away from school. 
I'm kind of thinking, you know, I think I'm going to leave. Uh, I think I'm, uh, it's just, I think I'm going to go. I've got my degree. All of a sudden, I go back to school. Uh, I'm on campus. I'm working out with the team. I'm, uh, you know, living uh, in, in an apartment with my teammates, uh, enjoying the college experience. And I'm kind of thinking, wow, this is pretty, this is pretty special. And the only thing I'll say, unlike, uh, I guess, some others, maybe some, it's such an individual decision. Peter, my first three years were a full, uh, full out sprint. I played eight games as a freshman. Uh, I took uh, 18 hours my junior fall, 22 my junior spring. I was always running the class, always running the practice. Uh, never had time really to sort of t- take a breath. And all of a sudden I just said, you know, I don't want to be 50 years old and kind of wonder, you know, what was what was college like? I'm not sure I really got to, got to do it. It was such a blur. And what would my senior year of college uh, had been like? I knew I certainly could be even more prepared uh, for the NFL. There was no guarantee that the Jets were going to take me. I had a conversation with Bill Parcells. You know, he was great. Uh, but you know, couldn't couldn't guarantee for sure. So I mean, it's probably it's, it's most probably they would have taken me. But I sort of took that out the window and just said, you know, what do I want to do? I talked to Tim Duncan. I saw him in a college basketball game that year. He had stayed for his senior year, which was kind of against the norm. And he just said, hey, I wanted to be a senior. I wanted one more year to get ready. And so that kind of let me know it was okay to if I wanted to stay. I sort of threw the injury bug. Out the um, uh, out the window, and just really wanted to be a senior in college, and by far the best decision I've ever made. Uh, created some long-lasting memories and friendships in my senior year. Uh, of course, I was able to stay healthy, and then you know, 1998 came around. I, I felt more prepared, and uh, I was excited that the Colts uh, drafted me. Uh, that's kind of where I wanted to go. Uh, kind of wanted to go someplace where you know. Uh, we could sort of kind of change the culture of, of, of the football culture there and and uh, just was really happy when the Colts picked me. What is the story, the real story, about the sort of legendary tale of you telling Bill Polian, uh, if you don't pick me, I'm going to haunt you, or or what, whatever, whatever exactly that was. How did that come well, about, and is it real? Well, uh, I just, you know, obviously, you know, Peter had been up to, in New York um, several, um, you know, several months before, you know, for the Heisman Trophy, you know, where they had this kind of dramatic uh, unveiling and decision. Um, uh, you know, obviously, I was disappointed uh, uh, that uh, I didn't receive that award on behalf of the University of Tennessee. The University of Tennessee has never had one. At four uh, runner-up finishes, Hank Larson, Johnny Majors, Heath Shuler, and myself. So there's your Tennessee history for the day, Peter. But uh, anyway, um, I uh, was just not really interested in kind of going back up there to New York for the draft for, you know, that sort of dramatic, you know, uh, zoom-in camera moment that, that, that they put all these players through today. You know, they have 30, 30 players up there now for the draft. You know, uh, back in my day, it was just four of us. And uh, I guess I really just wasn't into playing any games uh, at that point. Uh, I'd made it pretty clear that I wanted to come uh, play for Indianapolis. It wasn't that far from Tennessee and uh, wasn't, you know, obviously too far from New Orleans. Jim Mora was a new coach who I knew and, and had great respect for for his discipline and toughness that he brought to New Orleans. 
uh, Bill Polian, my dad had told me a lot about what he had done at Buffalo and Carolina. Uh, I, um, I knew a lot about this little receiver they had named Marvin Harrison. They just drafted a, a left tackle the year before named Tarek Glenn. So uh, I'd kind of done my homework, uh, if you will. And, and and like I said, I was just kind of not really into playing any games. And so I had to go back to uh, Indianapolis for the combine recheck. I had a little knee issue. And I had a meeting with Bill Polian and uh, and Jim Mora, and just kind of talking. And I finally just you know just kind of listen. This is where I like to come. I would like to come and play here. Uh, and I think uh, I think it'd be a, just a great place you know to come play. Uh, and so so I hope you draft me. But if you don't, um, I promise you I'll come back and kick your ass for the next fifteen years. <laughs> and uh, that was that, that was. Uh, I remember Bill Polian and just was uh, kind of had a smile on his face and you know didn't really say uh, anything, but, but I mean, but I think he seemed to like it. Just kind of maybe the the um, you know sort of the eagerness to play here and you know maybe the confidence. So I don't know if he drafted me out of uh, out of fear or out of faith, <laughs> but uh, uh, but I'm glad he drafted me, and uh, I'll always be thankful. You've uh, what I always found interesting about dealing with you over the years is is how and I've told people this story that I always like to go to the Indianapolis Colts training camp last. Uh, For many years, it was at Rose Holman Institute in Terre Haute, Indiana, and I would always go to as many camps as I could could before then. And then this would be one of my last stops. So maybe I'd have 16 or 18 under my belt because you would always want to quiz me. I would always tell you that you want to be Chris Mortensen when you grow up. You want to know (laughs) the dirt. You want to know sort of the gossip from every place. And I've always wanted to know, did you want to know this because you thought in some microscopic way that I might say something that could help you win a game that year, or are you were you just a huge fan and you just like sitting on the couch uh, yelling at the TV on Sunday when you're when you're not playing? Uh, Peter, the answer is both. I was always hoping <laughs> one year you might slip and just and just and just give me something that you know so and so is not looking as good. You know, but you were always. The, Unfortunately for me, the ultimate professional and, and telling me things that uh, uh, were, uh, you know, probably for public knowledge. But uh, I really just enjoyed kind of knowing what was going on uh, around the league. You know, uh, I, I'm a fan of football now that I'm not playing, but I was certainly uh, a huge fan while I was playing. But but there's no doubt, uh, always looking for, for something, some way, some angle that might uh, – might, uh, Help us when we played a certain team, but you never broke. But you never broke. Remember, <laughs> I always, Peter, I always tried to get you real comfortable and relaxed on a nice golf cart there at, uh, at Rose Holman with the beautiful uh, Terre Haute, uh, Indiana uh, weather, uh, nice and hot. So, but but you always held strong. But yeah, it was uh, those were some fun conversations and uh, uh, just kind of uh, you know keeping up, especially in the, in the midst of training camp where you're just sort of locked in on, you know, practice and sort of the daily grind, just kind of keeping up with uh, other players that I enjoyed watching and competing against. And uh, so I I have to be honest, my answer was definitely both when it comes to that. (laughs) So you you now have been out of football for, I guess, about 18 months. And I wondered, 
has the thought ever come into your mind, man, I'd like to go back for one more year? Uh, no, it has not. Uh, it's funny. Uh, uh, last year, you know, there were a couple of injuries. The Dolphins uh, had a quarterback injury. The Minnesota Vikings had a quarterback injury. And um, I can't remember, but maybe it was the Dolphins, uh, Adam Gase, reached out to me and he said, look, Peyton, he says, I know I'm going to get asked tomorrow at my press conference. You know, there's no doubt they're going to ask me. Just, you know, tell me what you'd like for me to say. And um, uh, I said, Adam, this is all kind of via text, Peter. I said, Adam, you tell them, you tell the media that, yes, I probably could come back and play. And there's no doubt that we would go to the Super Bowl. There's just no doubt, right? Because that's, you know, that's just uh, that's a no-brainer, right? Uh, I'm being sarcastic <laughs> on that. But there's no way that I could be at practice every day and still fulfill my carpool duties for my two five-year-old twins. So <laughs> I am out. I am out. And, uh, and so, you know, yeah, it's funny, Peter. I, uh, I had a lot of people tell me how much I was going to miss it and, uh, well, you don't want to be around football. You don't want to go to games. Uh, you're going to be anxious and miserable. And kind of like choosing whether to stay for your senior year. Uh, it is such an individual uh, feeling, and that was just not true. I went to a ton of football games last year. Went to uh, you know just about all the Broncos home games. Went to a Colts game. Went to a couple of Giants games. Went to a few University of Tennessee games. I love going to them. I enjoy it. You know, I, I feel really invested in watching Eli's games. Uh, I pull really hard for any old teammate or coach that I played with or for, and um, it's been the same thing. Uh, it's been the same thing this year. You know, I'm a fan of it, um, and I, I, I just enjoy watching and keeping up with it. And I always consider myself to be an ambassador of the game. Ashley and I went to China. Um, last year as an ambassador to the NFL, thinking about bringing a game over there and enjoyed that. You know, got to, you know, talk to some kids over there about football. Uh, We need to work kind of on our growth of football over there, which was the whole idea. But I have to say, I did appreciate kind of the anonymity of that week because uh, <laughs> people did not know who I was. Ashley and I were thinking about buying a condo in downtown Beijing uh, just for the getaway. <laughs> But, uh, but 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 like I said, but, but I've enjoyed that, and and um, um, so no, uh, uh, the answer is no. I did it for a long time. Uh, felt like I saw uh, every angle of it, saw you know good sides and the tough sides, and in uh, uh, kind of a, a rarity these days, I got to retire uh, on my own terms. And so, uh, but my people ask me, what's your greatest takeaway? from playing football without a doubt uh, the relationships that I made with my teammates and coaches and uh, players that I played against, coaches that I competed against, actually threw me a retirement party, Peter. And I, I had as many, just as many uh, players and coaches that I competed against at, at the party as I did teammates because, you know, it's kind of a chance to, to, to tell them how much I enjoyed competing against them. And they were just as much a part of my football life uh, as the ones that I played with. So, uh, those relationships, fortunately, never go away now that I'm not playing anymore. Uh, but I, I cherish those relationships and friendships. Um, since you retired, I wondered, what 
what's an average day in your life like when you're home? When you're home in Denver and, and you know, it's just like a weekday in your life. What do you do all day? I stay pretty busy and, uh, and, and uh, I travel uh, a decent amount during the week, uh, Peter. Uh, and I guess I'm kind of on the speaking circuit, if you will, you know, talking about uh, you know some you know football analogies of leadership and teamwork and preparation and you know maybe how that relates to whatever group that I'm speaking to. You know, I uh, um, uh, still uh, still am on, I'm still on TV a lot doing commercials. I apologize to all the people out there that are that are tired of seeing me on TV doing commercials, but I still do uh, a number. The of commercial with Brad Paisley is really pretty good because it's you. <laughs> It's that, ridiculously uh, well, you. I'm glad. I'm glad, glad you like it, and, uh, <laughs> and like I said, I, I enjoy doing those. And, I, and I've, I've kind of now that I'm not playing, uh, I guess have more interactions with some some of these companies, you know, that, that you know that I do these ads for, and, and kind of uh, do a number of other things, you know, for the groups besides just these ads. Uh, at the same time, Peter, I've really protected some free time to do some things that I haven't had a chance to do in 25 years, whether it's some travel. Uh, with Ashley, my, you know, our kids are in uh, uh, first grade. They're playing flag football and and uh, soccer, and so you know, I go to those practices and games. And um, it's important to me to be a part of those and, and, and to be around. And I'm a volunteer assistant uh, football coach on our kids kids flag football team. Um, I, um, you know, last year the coach wanted me to be a full time coach. And I, I said, Coach, i got to tell you, I've been watching the team. You don't have any pass plays. I just cannot be involved with a team that has no <laughs> pass plays. So um, I got him throwing the ball a little bit more this year. So I'm a volunteer assistant coach. But, hey, uh, my dad was around when I was at this age. Uh, he was around. He was a part of our lives. And uh, that's important for me as well. But I feel busy. I feel stimulated. I probably feel busier than I ever have, uh, to tell you the truth, Peter, uh, doing different things, uh, which I kind of enjoy, uh, uh, doing some different things, and um, uh, but, but uh, protecting some free time as well. Do you think, I mean, my whole theory about you is that someday you'll come back and you'll run a team. Uh, sort of, you'll be... You'll you'll have some sort of job like Elway does, and and one of the things that I think is cool about Elway's job is that he doesn't feel like he's got to go scout the potential sixth round tight end from Iowa State in Ames, Iowa. Uh, I mean, not that he won't go out into the field, but that you know he doesn't have to go micromanage it and be on the road for you know fifteen weeks a year at every school. But, uh, you know, I wonder, that's just me thinking about you, but do you sure. think running a team is in your future? You know, it's, it's really hard to say. Uh, it certainly could be a possibility. And, you know, it's, once again, it's such an individual thing. Um, I know John didn't, didn't, you know, didn't take this job with the Broncos until he was, I think, 50 years old. He was out of, out of uh, you know, I'd stopped playing for uh, for 12 years at that point. So, you know, this is my second uh, second season out. I'm uh, I'm 41 years old. So, uh, I know people kind of make that comparison, but uh, uh, it's just such an individual thing. But, but, uh, now let me say this: uh, I believe in staying close to the game. Uh, I went to the NFL Combine uh, last year. Uh, uh, met with some different people, some GMs. Uh, some owners, you know, to kind of pick their brain 
on uh, different sides of things. Uh, I uh, sat in with the team on the NFL draft this year, uh, stayed off camera, but I was able to sit in and watch. And so I have uh, tried to stay close to it. Uh, you know, oftentimes if I'm speaking uh, at a certain event, uh, I'll stop by that NFL team or college team's football facility and uh, go and um, uh, talk some football and ask some questions. I went to the you know, Chicago Bears this year, uh, University of Texas went to Northwestern. So um, I, I certainly believe in staying close to the game. So, you know, if that ever were to, to uh, be a possibility, that maybe, you know, I, I, I sort of am, am close to it. But uh, I like right now at least kind of doing it on my own terms. Uh, I know what that job entails, Peter. Uh, that is an all-in uh, job. That is a uh, – do not put your phone down ever uh, job. Uh, it, it is a 24-7, 365 days a year job. And so uh, because I know what that commitment is and, and what that job entails, um, it's just not the uh, right uh, right place for me right now. I really am kind of enjoying what I'm doing. But, you know, as far as, you know, what's going to happen a couple of years from now, you know, I can't really say. But uh, like I said, I'll always be close to the game. Um you know, I also wonder about you whether uh, you ever might own a team or want to own a team. We saw Derek Jeter do that in baseball. Does that appeal to you at all, or does the GM part of it appeal to you a little bit more? Oh, you know, like I said, these are these are pretty pretty uh, questions that just I'm not qualified to answer. I'm not smart enough to predict and look into the future in a, in a glass ball. You know, I, you know, Peter, I keep looking for that $2.5 billion in my pocket. <laughs> that supposedly it takes, I just don't see it. It's not there. So, you know, uh, but, uh, look, you know, Derek, uh, Derek would be great in that role. I got such great respect for him. And, uh, so, you know, like, like I said, happy for him. So, um, uh, you know, you know, being on the competitive side of a football team in, in a certain role, maybe at some point, you know, uh, uh, you know, probably not on the coaching side. I enjoy teaching football. Uh, I love, you know, our football camp where we're teaching kids about playing quarterback. I love going to these colleges and, and um, you know, answering any questions that these quarterbacks have. I sat down at the Chicago Bears with Mitch Trubisky, and he had some questions for me. I love, you know, paying it forward. If anybody has any questions, I love that part of it. But, uh, uh, you know, it's probably not in the coaching world. And so, but you know, executive role of some sort, who knows? You know, it's, it's a possibility, but it's all pretty pretty futuristic and, and all kind of predictions at this point. When you watch football now, a couple more. When you watch football now, I, one guy who I think would really fascinate you is Sean McVay. Just because of all the different stuff he does with formations, all the sort of, you know, you watch their games and he is like the champion. He's 31 years old and he knows how to run all these rub routes that are not illegal, but, you know, you can just see that, you know, the officials sometimes are giving it a very long look. But I mean, he seems to be a guy, even at his young age, who really has a good grasp on how to run uh, a really complex but successful offense. I, I, I don't know no. why, but I, I'm curious, when you watch the Rams, what do you think of McVay, and what do you think of golf? Uh, yeah, no, I, 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 but, I, mean, I think like everybody, really impressed with their start. Actually, 
I went out to Los Angeles a couple different times um, 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 early this off season. Spent some time with Sean McVay and uh, um, you know, kind of their offensive coaches, and and uh, met with Les Snead and, and some of their you know, kind of getting ready for the draft. So I enjoyed and appreciated them sort of letting me kind of come in and kind of observe it, but. Uh, uh, you know, like I said, spent <clears throat> spent several days with Sean and um, you know talking football, talking philosophy, and uh, boy, just a just a uh, just a high energy guy. You know, you, you can tell very much. You know, being a a, a John Gruden disciple um, amongst others, uh, just the energy and and um, his uh, excitement for football. But uh, yeah, they're doing great things, and, and I'm really happy for uh, for Jared. Uh, you know, that was a um, uh, you know, tough season. You know, last year, you know, sort of not playing and then playing, and uh, you know, this year to to kind of be the guy and to be in there. To me, the only way to learn is to get in there as a young quarterback. I mean, that's just that was my experience. I had a tough rookie season, and you know, we won three games, and I set the NFL rookie record for interceptions. <laughs> and uh, uh, but uh, there's no doubt that uh, I learned a lot uh, that year. And you know we went thirteen and three the next year because of what I learned. So, um, but uh, but they're doing a great job scoring a lot of points, and so very impressive what uh, what, what you know what Coach McVeigh is doing. Uh, last thing for Peyton Manning. So Peyton, I've I've also wondered this too. You weren't immune to a lot of body blows when you played, and I wonder as you have seen the recent news about CTE uh, everywhere in the last year or so. I wonder, do you ever wonder what life for Peyton Manning is going to be like at age 65 or 70? Well, I'm certainly very uh, conscious of my health. You know, know, uh, still work out and, and, uh, like I said, uh, very kind of uh, communicative with, um, you know, kind of my health doctor and my trainer. Still, uh, I feel like I'm competing every day against my health. You know, that's kind of my new new opponent uh, now. I'm not getting ready to play the the uh, Titans or the or the Texans uh, every Sunday, competing against my health, and and so uh, obviously, um, you know, that's important to me to uh, to stay healthy where I can you know be be around for you know uh, my kids and my family and and to, and to see uh, uh, see lots of things that I still want to see. So. Uh, it's uh, certainly important to me, and I've, uh, um, you know, something I think about, uh, you know, trying to trying to stay as healthy as I possibly can uh, every single day. Peyton Manning, look forward to uh, seeing you in Indianapolis this weekend. I think it's going to be a really, really cool event, and I know that uh, just from the time I've spent in Indianapolis over the years that really, even though there's a lot of people involved in sort of the Colts being there, obviously the Ursay family and Bill Polian, Tony Dungy, so many people uh, on that side of it. Uh, I, I just, I always have sort of appreciated just the fact that the people there understand your contribution to life in Indiana. And uh, I really look forward to seeing you there this weekend. And I think it's a really cool thing that you're being honored like this. Well, thanks, Peter. Uh, you were certainly uh, part of my, my football life there and uh, uh, covered uh, covered a lot of games. And uh, and uh, so appreciate you being there. And like I said, you're looking forward to being there uh, in that great city you know, amongst uh, 
Um, certainly a lot of great people. All the best to you, Peyton. Take care. Okay. Okay, Peter. Thanks. This is the MMQB Podcast. State Farm knows that for football fans, your car and your home are more than just stuff. They're some of your most valuable possessions. The things you've worked hard for and have made a lifetime of memories with. Whether it's the truck that gets you at every tailgate or the place where you watch your favorite team with your favorite people. But life can be a pretty tough opponent sometimes. That's why when it comes to finding the right home and auto insurance, you need a strong defense. A seasoned pro like State Farm. Because they understand it's more than just a car or a house. So why not give it the protection it deserves? It's just one more way State Farm is here to help life go right. See how they can help you by talking to a State Farm agent today. And now, recorded in the Pittsburgh locker room after a victory over the Baltimore Ravens on Sunday, my conversation with all-pro Steelers running back, Le'Veon Bell. Back on the MMQB podcast with Peter King. I'm here with Le'Veon Bell in the Pittsburgh Steelers locker room. Well, Le'Veon, you only carried it 35 times in this game in Baltimore. 35 times. So how do you feel? I mean, I feel good. I didn't even realize I had the ball 35 times, but, I mean, I feel good. Um, obviously, I'm going to be a little sore, um, you know, but I feel like we ran the ball well today, um, you know, and I feel good, you know. But it was surprising here I got 35 carries. I just I just, just found that out when you said that. <laughs> so you're on pace to carry it 348 times this season. Can you do that, especially after the odd off season you've had? Um, I'm confident I can do whatever my team needs me to do, you know what I'm saying? So, um, I feel like, you know, certain games I might have 35 carries, and certain games I might have 15, you know. So I, I feel like I'm just going to do whatever it takes for us to win the game. You know, if my team feel like I only need, you know, 17 carries to win the game or if they feel like I need 35 or 40, you know what I mean? I got to go out there and perform whatever they ask me to do. What's it been like coming back without a training camp? Um, it's been different. I'm um, obviously, you know, that's been the big story, um, the whole off-season off thing. But, I mean, it's been a little different. But, obviously, you know, I'm back in the season. I'm not really worried about what happened in the off-season. We're in the midst of the season now. And, you know, going into the uh, week five, you know, and I feel great, you know. And I'm I'm glad, you know, that everything's going the way it is. Um, we got the W. Um, we're going to worry about next week. So, when you look at the way you guys play football, you guys always seem to play better when you get it a lot. Is that a coincidence, or do you think that this team is more of a running team, and, and when it runs a lot, it, it it's better for this offense? Um, I think, you know, the whole, the whole, the league as a whole, the teams that really run the ball well, you can kind of see they win, win games, you know, and um, I think a lot of people don't really realize that, because everybody wants to say it's a pass-happy league and things like that, but at the end of the day, it's still football. You got to go out there. You got to be physical. You got to show. You got to put your manpower and your will on another team. And um, that's what we did today. You know what I mean? I feel like the times when we do do that and we run the ball a lot of times and a lot of reps, teams get wore down. The, our offense got the ball a lot. Our defense not on the field as much, so they can have a lot of energy and get off the field. It just makes the team better. You know, I feel like when you're running the ball, um, not even just for us, but as a, as a whole, you know, and um, obviously that works for us because – um, we run the ball, you know, when we run the ball well, we get, get W's. The game has really changed a lot over the last few years. Only one player in the NFL last year, Ezekiel Elliott, ran it more than 300 times. I mean, is it 
Is that good for football, bad for football, or is that just a phase of football? Do you think eventually football gets back to more of a power-running style, or is it over for that? I definitely don't think it's over. You know what I mean? Um, no, even teams like us and, like, maybe the Cowboys and um, Carolina, you know, teams like that, they, they run the ball a lot. You know, they depend on the run. Um, and I, I think, you know, for us, when we run the ball well, like you said, we, we win games, you know, and I, that's that's the biggest thing for us. So as long as we continue to run the ball well, um, obviously we got one of the best quarterbacks in the world that ever played this game. So when we're running the ball well, it makes his job easier. You know, it makes Antonio Brown's job easier, make Martavis' job easier because now they're getting one-on-one opportunities. And you it, it's so you can't check A.B. one-on-one or Martavis one-on-one. Those guys are too explosive. And um, Ben's going to put the ball in the right spot. He's always going to put us in the right play. So the biggest thing is for us to run the ball and get those guys ready for the run um, and then open up everything else. Do you feel like you've changed how running backs look at the way football is played? Like a lot of running backs, you know, Christian McCaffrey, you were telling me last year, reached out to you to try to have you analyze his game because he loved your game. How much of that happened in the offseason where running backs said, man, you, you run it different than I've ever seen? I mean, did you find yourself counseling and talking to a lot of running backs at all levels of football? Um, yes. Um, you know, and it's crazy as you actually say that because, <clears throat> you know, when you see guys like, you know, Christian McCaffrey, who's a first-round you know, he was a guy who was really highly told out of, out of the draft, and you know everybody watched him. And the fact that he said, you know, he wanted to reach out to me about the way my running style was, it kind of you know hit home a little bit. That you know other guys were really looking up to me the way I run, um, and that's when I kind of realized, you know, I'm different. You know, and um, you know you got guys even at a Penn State running back Barkley. You know, they, I hear a lot of comparisons from him to me. You know, and I know he's a first round draft pick. You know, and when guys, when you when you hear things like that, and I know. You know, running backs looking up to me, it means everything in the world to me. Um, you know, and, and I got my imprint on the game. It's just a blessing. And consider how far you've come because, remember, when you leave high school, you're not a highly regarded player at all. You had to fight for everything you got, even getting into Michigan State. Right. Um, yeah, and I think, you know, a lot of that had to do with that because I was different, you know. So um, the fact that, you know, now I'm on a big stage and a lot of people get to watch me, they'll see that I'm different. Um, and that, you know, my style works and, um, you know, and, 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 and we got the job done today. Finishing up with Le'Veon Bell. Le'Veon, this has been a week unlike any other that I've seen in recent NFL history with all the stuff about the anthem. Your team was front and center. How do you feel you guys handled it this week in going from staying in the locker room last week to all staying 53 guys or 45 guys standing together on the sidelines today? At the end of the day, um, last week we felt like <clears throat> um, us staying in the locker room um, was really a, a distraction. You know, I felt like this week when we went out there, we wasn't worried about the anthem. We went out there, we stood for the anthem like we normally do, and we went out there and played football. We didn't let it distract us. We didn't worry about anything else. Um, Coach T understood and told us, you know, once we step in between those white lines, we're playing football. You know, we're not into politics. We're football players, um, and that's what we go out there and did. He was amazing, I thought, this week in some of his statements that he made. He was pretty pissed off a few times about people expecting football players to be political speakers. And did he get that message across to you guys? Uh, yeah, I mean, Coach T is a great, you know, he's a great person, you know, with his words, you know, and I think everything he said was 100% correct, you know, and I stand behind him and everything he says, you know, because um, I know 
you know, him talking about polit politics and things like that. I'm out of politics. You know what I'm saying? I, I can't really talk about it like that either, you know. So, um, you know, I have my opinions on things like that, you know. But when it's time to play football, I'm going to go out there and play football, and that's what I do. Le'Veon Bell, congratulations. Hope you have a great rest of the year. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks to my guests, Peyton Manning and Le'Veon Bell. If you enjoyed these conversations, be sure to listen and subscribe to other great episodes in the MMQB series, such as my conversations with Larry Fitzgerald, Tom Brady, and Drew Brees. You can find these on the MMQB.com, on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or anywhere you get your podcasts. And don't forget to leave a review while you're there. You can also hear the MMQB podcast with Peter King on Sirius XM Radio every Saturday morning at 7 Eastern on Mad Dog Sports Radio, Sirius XM Channel 82. Thanks to the fine folks at Cadence 13 for their production work. And thanks, of course, to my sponsor, State Farm. Please support State Farm the way they support this podcast. And I'll see you next week. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.